The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. That's right. We brought you the best sports media app. Now we're bringing you the best sportsbook and casino now live in Ontario, Canada. The Score Bet offers a safe and secure mobile sportsbook experience with both pregame and in-play markets. But best of all, it's integrated into The Score and our content to give you the easiest and most seamless sports betting experience. Download now on iOS and Android. Available in Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older to participate. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Appreciate you tuning in today, and you should be excited for this one because I'm joined by one of the best draft analysts out there, one of the best draft analysts in the universe, Mr. Dane Brugler, a man who really needs no introduction, but heck, let's give him one anyway. His 2022 draft guide, which is affectionately nicknamed The Beast, is available now over at The Athletic. You can also find Dane's latest seven-round mock draft and all his content over there, including his weekly appearances on the Athletic Football Show where he's teaming up with NFL.com's Lance Zierlein, another awesome analyst to help get you ready for the draft, and that's what he's going to help us with today. So, Dane, welcome to the show, buddy. I know you are a very busy man. I appreciate you making some time for us. How are you feeling right now with just a, a little over a week to go here? I appreciate that, Justin. I'm uh, feeling good. It's This is the part of the draft season where – uh, you know, we're, you, we hear a lot of things going on and it's trying to parse through the, the noise and just figure out, OK, what's what's real. Um, and especially this year where uh, it, it just seems like there's more uncertainty than, than past years because uh, it's we don't have a, a great upper class of prospects this year. But the middle class is uh, it, it is a long list. Uh, and so uh, that, that makes for a lot of differing opinions around the league. And so it's it's really interesting to kind of go through, uh, you know, the first and second round and try to figure out where these guys are going to end up. Well, and for anybody wondering, Dane's work, including, you know, that draft guide, it covers both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive prospects. For today, we're going to focus mostly on the skill position players. I had Danny Kelly of the Ringer on last week, and we talked about a lot of draft stuff, including some of the rumors that we'd been hearing in recent weeks. And that's where I want to start with you, Dane, because I know you're doing an astronomical amount of work on your own, but you're also talking to scouts, to people who are connected along the way, and you can't always trust the stuff you're hearing. I think your latest episode over at The Athletic goes over smoke screens around Mm -hmm. this time of year, but... What I am curious about is, and once again, focusing on the offensive side of the ball, what's the latest draft rumor that you've heard that you actually think has a good chance of happening? Um, I think that uh, the the number of wide receivers that we're going to see in the first round, um, you know, we, we thought, you know, probably five, maybe even six. Um, I, I It could be more than that. Uh, it, it's just, we're, I think we're going to see a lot of these receivers fly off the board uh, pretty early and, Part of it is because of just you know the the, the contracts we're seeing to uh, handed out to wide receivers in today's NFL. It's now the second most expensive position in the NFL behind only quarterback. So a lot of teams are going to look at it and say, well, you know, let's get younger, let's get cheaper. Um, and these guys help put points on the board. Um, so a, a lot of teams are going to look at wide receiver. And not only just that part of it, but this is just also a very top-heavy class uh, at wide receiver. I, I don't love. There's a couple of D, or, uh, uh, day three receivers that I like, 
But I think it's there's a big drop off after the top 100 picks or so at, at the position. So we're going to see a lot of these receivers drafted the first three rounds, uh, especially here in the first. And I would not be surprised if we get over six wide receivers in the first 32 picks. Very interesting. I want to ask you more about those receivers in a second. One rumor that we touched on last week was the potential for Isaiah Spiller to actually be selected earlier than maybe some people think after he sort of tanked his uh, athletic testing over the last couple months here. Maybe even still being the second running back off the board. And I referenced uh, Josh Norris, an underdog, who made some comments a while ago about that. Since then, we've heard a few other people kind of add some fuel to that fire, including Doug Kide of Pro Football Focus this week, citing two sources that told him that Spiller could be a, an early second round pick with an outside shot to go into the first. Do you think there's any truth to those rumblings or is that one that falls into the smokescreen category for you? No, I mean, I know he's well liked, um, but, you know, obviously to to draft him that early, um, it's it, it's not something that's impossible by any means. Uh, because like, like, like I said, I know he's well liked, um, but to actually be drafted that early, I, I would still be surprised just because uh, you know, he's a good player. But even before he tested, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure he was necessarily viewed as a locked top 50 guy. Um, and, and then he tested and, and you know, he, he fell short of expectations there. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like about Spiller. He's still just 20 years old. Um, you know, he's productive at Texas A&M. His uh, yards per carry uh, got better every single year. 5.4, 5.5, 5.6 this past year. Um, so there, there's, it's, I don't want it to come off like Spiller is not a good player. He is. And I think the athletic testing could be maybe a little overblown because, uh, you know, you watch his film and you don't, you don't think to yourself, oh, this guy doesn't have wiggle. He doesn't have a little bit of burst to his, to his game. He For can sure. make guys miss. Uh, and so I, I think teams are going to trust that over some of the athletic testing numbers that he put up. But, uh, I'd still be surprised if he went as early as the, you know, the top, top 40 picks. Uh, but all it takes is one team that, you know, to believe in him. So, uh, you know, we, uh, I, I've got my sources throughout the league, but I don't know how 32 teams feel, you know, and so there, there's always, uh, you, you never want to go as far to say it won't happen or it will happen because all it takes is that one team and you just never know. Well, I think most people have Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker and Spiller up at the top of their boards mm-hmm. for running back in whatever order you want to put them. They're the obvious names for fantasy managers. I think the real gains come when you can pinpoint the middle round or the late round prospects who then turn into stars and landing spot. Obviously is going to help us sort through that a little bit in terms of who might have immediate opportunity. And we'll definitely see some of those values change once we know where these guys are going to be playing. But with a week to go here, I'm wondering who you think could be that mid to late round running back sleeper in this class. This is a very, very deep, day three group of running backs you know we're gonna see you know like you mentioned Brees Hall Kenneth Walker those guys will be uh, off the board in the first 60 picks uh you know Spiller you know probably gets in day two maybe we see another running back get into day two but for the most part the strength of this class is going to be day three if you if you need a running back to fill out your depth chart you're not going to feel pressure to take one in the first three rounds because you you're going to feel good about waiting to day three and, and getting a a quality player at that point so I think it depends on what type of running back you're looking for. If you're looking for more of that uh, third down, uh, passing down type of back, then you're looking towards a James Cook, a Kyron Williams. If you're looking for a guy that could give you more, a little more power uh, as an inside runner, 
um, uh, you know, can maybe eventually uh, develop into a, a lead back for you, then you're looking at a Damian Pierce, uh, a Brian Robinson, those types. So um, I, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talent in, in this running back class. And I, I think that, like you mentioned, landing spot obviously is a big predictor uh, of how this is going to shake out. But if I needed a, a guy that's going to help me in the passing game and uh, he goes in the right situation, Tyler Beatty, from Missouri uh, would, would fall in that category of, you know, mid to late day three pick, not going to be someone that's, uh, you know, going to get a fan base overly excited when, when the pick is made, you know, it's kind of just going to happen. Uh, but if he gets in the right situation, I mean, this, bad running backs don't draft or don't run for 1600 yards in the SEC, uh, put it that way. And, and that's what he did last year. He also had 54 catches. Um, you know, he found the end zone quite a bit. He's, you know, if you don't, if say you really want a guy like James Cook and he's off the board in the third round, uh, you wait a couple more rounds, you get Tyler Beatty and, you know, you feel like you're, it's not a huge drop off. You feel like you're still getting a really quality uh, player that can help you out in the passing game, uh, but can also take the, uh, you know, be a change of pace option uh, with handoffs out of the backfield. So uh, Tyler Beatty uh, reminded me a lot of Tariq Cohen uh, when the Bears drafted him in the mid rounds uh, a couple years ago. I mentioned that I wanted to talk about wide receivers as well. You referenced to all the guys who could go in the first round. I'm not going to ask you where they're all going to end up. People can check out your mock draft for that. But is there one potential marriage that maybe stands out to you as the, the best scheme or situation fit between a first round receiver and one of the clubs that might be looking for help at that position? Yeah, I think there's definitely a couple. Um, yeah, like uh, the Packers uh, and and Chris Olave, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, I mean, traditionally, I think the Packers want better size at receiver um, than what Chris Olave offers. But in terms of being pro ready, in terms of being, you know, de- being able to develop that chemistry immediately with with Aaron Rodgers, that's something that I think would win out in that conversation. He's has four three speed, can win deep. Um, so I think a lot of the the Crystal Lave and, and Packers, I, I think that aligns well. Um, I, you could make a case for uh, several of these receivers with the Jets. I mean, you look at. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, a guy that can get open before and after the catch. Uh, Drake London, uh, with that size, uh, you add him to the mix. You know, you're trying to develop Zach Wilson. Um, you know, he's going to be your guy. So give him a big target, a guy that can you know, play uh, above the rim and can you know, win contested balls. That's Drake London. So I think there's a few of these receivers that fit really well with the Jets. Um, and then I love the fit. Uh, of Jamison Williams with the Saints. Uh, we know how much that team, regardless of who's uh, the quarterback, who's that head coach, they want speed. Jamison Williams has the best speed in this draft at wide receiver. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't see him run a 40 at the combine. Uh, but he's more hes more than just speed. He's more than just a track guy. Uh, you know, he can win with his routes. He's uh, uh, got length. So, uh, you know, he maybe not the most natural hands catcher, but he catches the ball. Well, it's not a, it's not a weakness to his game at all. So, uh, Jamison Williams to the saints, I think is a, is a perfect marriage as well. All right. And then if we dig a little deeper here at receiver outside of those top guys, those potential first round wide outs, who would you tag as your favorite sleeper at receiver? Um, I, I think if there's a Darnell Mooney in this class, uh, Danny Gray from SMU is that guy, uh, you know, Darnell Mooney coming out of Tulane, we had speed, a little inconsistent, but goes to Chicago and still a little inconsistent, but uh, did enough where he was able to earn a starting job and now he's one of their top weapons. Uh, I think Danny Gray has that type of upside. He has that type of playmaking potential where he has legit low 4-3 speed. Uh, and what I loved about his tape is he went, won at every level of the field. You know, Underneath, he can be a catch-and-run threat. He can win over the top. Um, and, and a guy that I think is still just 
discovering how good he can be. Um, so if he goes to the right situation, I wouldn't be surprised if he's this year's Darnell Mooney. All right, a couple more questions for you here, Dane. I want to ask about quarterbacks. In your latest mock, you had Kenny Pickett, you had Malik Willis, and you had Desmond Ritter going in the first round. Do you think there's a chance that we see Matt Corral and or Sam Howell sneak into the first as well? Or are we going to be lucky just to get three quarterbacks in there in what seems to be a, a down year at the position? If I had to make a bet, I mean, I, w- I would say three quarterbacks is what we're going to see now. Uh, but I, I, it's hard to feel super confident about that when we have such a unique quarterback year um, where you know th- these guys are universally universally liked but not universally loved and that that makes it tough uh but you know like we said before all it takes is one team especially when you're looking for that fifth year option um a, a team in the in the early second round mid second round trading up 10 15 spots get into that late first round to get their quarterback um you know that's something that uh is going to be worth it for some teams uh as they kind of go over their options and discuss what what's which what kind of moves they should make so I, I think the answer is three. Uh, now, where does that quarterback run start? Uh, that's that's a that's a tough question. That I'm not I'm not sure. You know, a lot of NFL teams have a good feel for that right now. Um, you know, I, I, everyone I've talked to, they say these quarterbacks are going to go, but where where's that start? That's that's a question that uh, a lot of a lot of people around the league just aren't sure. Uh, you know, it, it, most years we see teams trade up for quarterbacks. That's just how things work. If you don't have the first pick or the second pick, you're going to be trading up. You know, the Patriots sitting, staying uh, pat and, and drafting Mac Jones where they did, that's, that's the exception to the rule. You know, more often than not, we're seeing a team like the 49ers go up to get Trey Lance or the Bears trading up to go get Justin Fields. Uh, th- that's usually what we see with these quarterbacks. Uh, and this year will be interesting. Do, is there going to be a team that trades up for Malik Willis, for a Kenny Pickett, um, the Steelers being, I think, the one team that you look towards that they need a quarterback, uh, you know, with as much work and effort and time as that they put into uh, scouting this quarterback class, it, it would be an upset at this point if their pick is not a quarterback. But are they going to be content sitting there at 20 and waiting for uh, and hoping their guy, whoever that is, were to fall to them? Um, or do we see them be aggressive? Like we've seen them be in first rounds in the past, uh, whether to go get Troy Polamalu or to go get Devin Bush. Would they do that to go get their quarterback? I, I think that's something that uh, uh, teams are talking about right now. When's that run on quarterback start and, and who starts that run and what's the order these guys come off the board? Yeah, and I mentioned it on last week's show. The reason I ask about you know the first round specifically when it comes to quarterbacks is because the, the hit rate for quarterbacks taken outside of the first round, it just drops off so dramatically, right? And it's really tough to find impact players at the position in the later rounds of the draft. I'm going to make you try to do it here, though. If there was that sleeper in this quarterback class, who would it be in your mind? You know, I usually I have a guy that I like that, you know, I, I, I'm if he's there in the sixth or seventh round, I'm, I'm throwing that dart um, this year. I don't I don't really feel that way about a lot of these guys. I think if I had to pick a name, it'd be EJ Perry at a, at a Brown. Um, I just think that when you, uh, you know, break down what he gives you, uh, from uh, an athletic standpoint, uh, the way he can move, the way he can extend extend plays with his legs, um, I, I think there's something there. Uh, he's a really smart guy. I, he's got enough uh, with his arm that he can uh, stay in the league for a while um, and, as he develops. But um, it's going to take time with him. Uh, his eyes are all over the place. Uh, you know, just in terms of reading coverages, uh, you know, tucking it. A lot of times, he's going to drop his eyes and look to run, and when that first read's not there. Uh, but, you know, he played on a bad team in the Ivy League. 
uh, at Brown, uh, but they, he was still, you know, led the FCS in uh, total offense two years ago, led the, uh, was the Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year last year. So even though he didn't have a ton of talent around him, he was still productive. And I, and I think there are some traits there that you want to work with. So if I had to pick one of these quarterbacks in the later rounds, it'd be EJ Perry. Well, I'll get you out of here on this one. We don't spend too much time talking about tight end prospects here, mostly because, I mean, we normally see tight ends take a couple years before they become fantasy relevant. Guys like Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth who come in and are fantasy starters right away. That's pretty rare to see for rookies. So I'm not asking you to identify somebody like that, but we asked you for sleepers at running back, at receiver, at quarterback. We got to round it out here. Who would get the nod as your favorite sleeper at tight end this year? Somebody who might surprise people and actually have a good career in the pros. Yeah, this is a really good year for tight ends. We're going to see, we probably will not see one in the top 50. But uh, the third round, fourth round, uh, fifth round, that's going to be the sweet spot for, for tight ends. We're going to see plenty of them uh, fly off the board. Uh, and, I, and I like this tight end class. Guys like you know Jeremy Ruckert uh, from Ohio State, he's going to be a better pro than college player. Kate Otten from Washington, uh, Jelani Woods, Virginia. Um, but uh, you know a guy that isn't talked about nearly enough uh, that I think could end up being a steal uh, when he's drafted in the fifth round uh, James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he's a really good athlete. Uh, he was an all-around athlete in high school, uh, kind of bulked up. To, he's around 250 pounds uh, and doesn't have a ton of production. Uh, but in his past year, he missed most of the year with an ACL injury. So as long as the knee's okay, as long as uh, you know the doctors give me two thumbs up, uh, that he's progressing well. I'm feeling good about James Mitch- Mitchell and what he can be uh, because I think he has athleticism uh, where he can work the seams. Uh, you know, he can win one on one. There's just a lot to like about him. We, we'd be talking a lot more about him if not for that knee injury. If you were able to be at the Senior Bowl, if you were able to work out the combine, um, things like that. So uh, he could be a legit three level passing threat for for an NFL offense. Uh, he could develop in that type of uh, impact player. All right, there you go. I'm calling it there. That is all for today's show. Make sure you're following Dane on Twitter at DP Brugler. Check out that draft guide. Check out all his work over at The Athletic. I mentioned a bunch of it off the top, but Dane, was there anything else you want to direct people towards before we let you go? No, that's perfect. Yeah, all all people need are an athletic subscription and you get the draft guide uh, included. So uh, even if you just want to check out uh, The Athletic for a month, uh, you know, and get all our our draft coverage, uh, it's still included. So hopefully people... Uh, you know, check it out if you're interested in the NFL draft at all. I promise you will not be disappointed with the, the level of detail in the draft guide. So, uh, you know, the feedback so far has been awesome. And I, I really appreciate everyone uh, checking it out. Awesome. Well, thanks again for carving out some time for us. I love having you on, man. Really glad we were able to do it again this year. But I know you are very busy, so I will let you get going. No, I'm glad it worked out, man. Uh, anytime. Thanks, Justin. All right. I'll be back next week with one more episode before the draft. But until then... Big thanks again to Dane. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.